We are all invested in the digital world, everyone, everywhere. There are very, very rare individuals who have no digital presence. That digital presence manifests itself as computers, smart devices, or clever phones. The more we use them, the more we rely on them, and the more information is stored on them. That means they are an absolute goldmine to the criminal. The old physical criminal world, yeah, they would mug you, punch you in the face, and run off with your wallet or your watch, your jewelry or your bag. In the digital world, it does not work like that. Your device is always connected to the internet. And because of that, it can be targeted at any time. The criminal is no longer in a dark alley. They can just reach out and steal money from your bank account, especially if you are unaware of their capabilities. The last 18 months has shown us that our reliance on the digital world for primary human communication has increased tenfold. Even before the pandemic, our use of the digital world was already increasing. The problem for elderly and retired is communication. Our children have flown the nest. They no longer live around us. They live in different suburbs, they live in different cities, and they live in different countries. I suppose we are lucky we do not have to worry about different planets. Our brothers and sisters, our fathers and mothers have similar issues. So here we have all embraced this wonderful new world. The more we use these digital systems, the more vulnerable we become. The more we embrace the convenience that these systems give us, the more vulnerable we become. Let's do something to rectify that issue. This podcast is based on questions we have been asked or areas of concern that have been identified by the elderly and retired when associating and associated with the digital world. The elderly, retired and mature are either uneducated about the digital world, they have been misinformed about what can happen, and they are ignorant about the capabilities, proficiencies and abilities of the cyber criminal. I am in no way saying that people are stupid. What I am saying is that we all need to be better informed on the capabilities and skills, and yes, they are skilled, of the cyber criminal. So sit back, watch and listen to this old person's take on protecting your stuff. This is what Roger has to say in this episode. Last episode, we focused on the dreaded password. Where did it come from? Why do we use them? Why are they important for protecting your stuff? What they are made up of and what not to use. So don't use your date of birth. And because it is too complicated, just get a password manager. It does save you so much problems and so many sleepless nights. And it is also something to think about when it comes to how you manage all those passwords because they have to be unique. They have to be um, complex and they have to have more than 12 characters. So in this episode of the old person's take on protecting your stuff podcast, we will focus on the addition of a third layer of protection around your internet-based services and systems. Access to every account has a username and a password. Who you are, what you know. Username, who you are. Password, 
what you know. The third layer is what you have. And that is called multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication. In the same area, there is a thing called capture. And you probably come across this regularly as well. That's where you put in details of a system, username, password, and a little box comes up and says, where's the bus? Okay, tick the boxes. Or I am not a robot. So username, password, and they prove that you have that information, but the capture process is designed to show that you are human because those pictures change, the, the boxes change, even the tick box that comes with, uh, I am not a robot, is something that we need to look at. So in this episode of the Old Person's Take on Protecting Your Stuff podcast, we are going to focus on two-factor authentication, multi-factor authentication, and the capture process. So why do we need another layer of uh, authentication? Well, one of the big problems we've got at the moment is people having their usernames and passwords stolen. Now that can happen in a, uh, a pop-up box that's come up on your screen and you put the details in before you realize what's going on. It could be a scam. Uh, you've, you've got a link in a page and it'll come up and it'll show you a, a web page that is reinforcing where that email or SMS came from. We have man-in-the-middle attacks, so you're connecting to Starbucks, for instance, which doesn't require a password. And it is a warning system for criminals accessing your account. Username, password, we don't know that someone's trying to access your, your account, but username, password, and two-factor authentication, the two-factor authentication is going to tell you that someone has used username and password to access your account. So now you can make some decisions about what you're going to do about it. Because if you didn't know, you wouldn't do it. And that means that username and password readily available for the bad guys out there. So what is two-factor authentication? Two-factor authentication is the technology that allows for a third level of information to gain access to an, uh, an account or a system. So we have username, who you are. We have password, what you know. And now we have Two-factor authentication is what you have. Can be an SMS to your phone. Now, the joy of using SMS is you don't have to use a smartphone. Okay, it can it's part been part of the mobile phone technology for the last twenty years, so it is in, incorporated in every account on the system. It doesn't require data. So, if you haven't got a smartphone or a smart tablet, then you can have SMS to your phone, and that allows you access to the system. The second way you can use it is an authentication app. Both Microsoft and Google run an authentication app. What it is, you put your username and password, and when you're setting up the account, it'll come up and say, do you want to set up uh, two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication? The answer is always yes. Okay, you tick the box. It'll then send you through a process. Now, what, what you're doing is linking something you have with the website you're going to. Now, that can be um, uh, a QR code. Or it could be a code they send you that you get off your phone and then they, that links your phone. The third way you can do it is have a dongle. Now, a dongle is a little device like this that is associated with your account. When you use username and password, it's usually associated with banks and uh, financial institutions. Username and password, you press a button on your dongle. That dongle then gives you six digits. You put that dig six digits into the code. You now have access to your account. So as you can see, we're now making access to internet-based systems a lot more secure because we are proving that only you have access to it. 
how does all this work? Well, the first thing we need to do is associate the account with the phone number and or the application. When you're going through the process of setting it up, tick the box for two-factor authentication, go SMS or Authenticator app, doesn't really matter which one you want to use. Um, once you've set it up, you'll get a code that then associates your phone, your device, your system with your access to that account. With Authenticator apps, it's usually a QR code with a dongle. It's already set up by the organization and they will send it out to you. Which way is best? They're all as good as each other. Each system has vulnerabilities, okay? Now, the, as I said, the good thing about SMS is you don't have to have a smartphone, which means you are limiting the chance of someone hacking into that smartphone. Now, they can be hacked. Just be very aware of that. Smartphones can be hacked just as easily as computers. So, so as I said, there's vulnerabilities in the system you have to be able to look at. Let's have another look at Capture. All right, Capture. This is a to counteract the automated systems that may have picked up your username and de uh, password details from somewhere else. So it might have been the dark web, might have been a chat box uh, or a chat group. It might have been any one of the uh, areas where the, the semi-pro professional uh, hackers collect. Um, now, it is a automated system that is checking to make sure that there is actually a human behind the request for access. So it goes username, password, and it'll then come up with a box, usually nine, nine boxes, can be 16. Um, and it'll say, tick the boxes with buses in them, tick the boxes with um, uh, traffic lights in them, tick the boxes with hills in them, okay? Doesn't really matter. Um, there's also another one, um, tick the box that has the animal in the correct stance, okay? And that's, that's on LinkedIn. Now, what you're doing is you're proving that you're human because those pictures change, the questions change, and the actual requirements change. So by doing that, it then means that um, uh, uh, an automated system cannot get to that third stage. Stage, And if you screw it up, which happens regularly, um, another one will come up. If you do it three times, you have to close down the website and open up the website and do it again. All right. So it is can be very frustrating, but they are worried about keeping your information secure. Now, the other one is in the capture space is the one that says tick the box to show you're not a, a robot. And everybody giggles at that because you think about it, how, do, how does the system actually know that you are not a robot? Well, it works on the principles of what, you, what you're accessing the system with. Because if you are a person using a browser, then uh, what will happen is when you tick the box, that circle that comes up, that 30, 30 half a second circle, is actually checking to make sure you've got information in your browser history. Okay, so it's making sure that the, the, the connection is actually being run by a human. Now, if you open up an incognito web browser and go to your normal account and then put in username and password, and that comes up and you tick the box, it will then revert back to the normal capture of what are, where are the hills in this nine, nine frame. Okay, because there's no information in your incognito which means that there's no information that it can use to prove that you are human. Okay, so they've, they have thought of a number of ways of the systems getting around um, their protection, and they're trying to make sure that your data is as secure as possible. A couple of do's and don'ts. Do use two-factor authentication on your social media, on your email platform, on your access to information, things like if you're using OneDrive. Um, very hard to set it up on a computer, but there are two-factor authentication components you can apply to smart devices. 
make sure that if you're running a website or something like that, the administrator account has two-factor authentication and or capture. Uh, do not you do use for all administrator accounts. So if you've got, uh, if you are looking after someone else's account and they're using your domain, that type of thing, then make sure that two-factor authentication is on it. Do not give away under any circumstance the code that comes with two-factor authentication. So you're sitting at home, you're watching TV or you're playing bridge with your mates and you um, suddenly your phone pops up and goes, this is the code to access Facebook, for instance. Now, you're playing bridge, so who's accessing your account? So again, this gives you an early warning that someone has captured username and password. If they ring you up and say, we need the code for this, tell them to go where they can't go. Okay, so piss off is a really nice way of putting it. Um, if you are targeted and someone actually knows your phone number and all your details for the, the account, if they ring you up and they say, um, this is the bank we just want to set up. If they ring you up and say, um, we, want to, we want to verify your account, um, we're going to send you a code, can you read it back to me? Go, no. Okay, because again, what they're, they're trying to do is get you to verify their access to the system and that way they can steal all your money and stuff. So don't. There are ways to set up two-factor authentication so two or more people can access that account. Um, it's just a bit more complicated, but it can be done. So if you and your wife need access to the same bank account, she's got a phone, you've got a phone, you can actually associate both phones. And when it comes up with two-factor authentication, especially on Microsoft, you can tell it to ring, uh, send the SMS to this number or that number. So you can actually allow more than one person access to that account. In summary, why do we need another layer of uh, authentication? Mainly because humans are stupid, okay? Username, password, we use the basic password. Uh, someone's captured that information. Uh, someone has stolen that information uh, or you've given it away accidentally on purpose. Um, we need to make sure that that username and password are not the only th th things in place. Um, what is two-factor authentication? It's a technology. It can use SMS. It can use an authenticator app on your smart device, or it can use a dongle. It depends on what, it, what access you need. How does it work? Once you've associated your device with the account, then everything that now goes through it requires a username and password and something that you're going to have on your device that you are going to put into the website to verify that it is you that is accessing the system. Which way is best? Doesn't really matter. They all have vulnerabilities. Depends on if you want to have another application on your mobile phone. Um, it's up to you. Where does Capture come into it? Capture is a system that was used, but is used mainly to stop people using automated systems to plug in a username and address, uh, try again, a username and a password, and gain access to a system. So it comes up with a box that says, uh, look at the hills or look at the buses or look at the traffic lights. Uh, the other one is tick the box that says you're human. Uh, I am not a robot. And it, what the robot, what the system is looking for is any indication that you are a person and you have been to websites. As you can understand, the bad guys have worked that out as well. And they have actually ways of actually bypassing that system. Um, do's and don'ts, set up uh, two-factor authentication, multi-factor authentication on every account that you can that allows it. Never give away your code under any condition. If you get a request on your system that says, give me the code, go and tell them to where to go and how to get there. 
If more than two people need access, then you can set that up as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Earl Person's Take on Protecting Their Stuff podcast. I hope that you have some actionable information out of what we have been talking about today. If there are any questions, please throw them in the comments and I will get an answer to you as soon as possible. The solution to protecting your digital assets in retirement is complex. We are talking about systems and technology that we have been forced into using and have minimal control and understanding. In addition to being uneducated and uninformed about the digital world, the criminals are not. They are really, really clever at stealing shit from us. So you have to take into account that. More importantly, they will rob you blind. If given the opportunity, and by not securing your crown jewels, you are giving them that opportunity. The link to the following resources can be found in the show notes. And if you're concerned about how secure you really are, we have a free simple scorecard for retirees and for the elderly, or for people who are pretty unaware about what security they need to do. All you have to do, jump on it, do the 24 questions, and they're simple, yes, no, maybe. Okay, and once you've done that, you'll get a, a uh, report in your email box, inbox, that will allow you to look at it and go, these are the areas we need to worry about. Once completed, we will send you that personalized report. We'll probably follow it up with an email or maybe a phone number, but we don't collect phone numbers. So the only thing that we collect in that whole process, first name, last name, and email address. That's it, nothing else. So do that, and I can guarantee that you will look at it and go, oh, we need to do something about this. So thank you very much, and I will see you next episode.